the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. As a constitutional law attorney, former senior legal advisor and personal counsel to President Donald J. Trump, Jenna Ellis believes in the rule of law and the importance of integrity in our elections. And she's ready to tackle the big cultural and legal issues facing America. This is The Jenna Ellis Show. Here is your host, Jenna Ellis. Hi, friends, and welcome to Wednesday on The Jenna Ellis Show. So much to talk about. Listen, we need to talk about this January 6th Select Committee, or as President Trump likes to call it, the Unselect Committee. This is beyond appalling how they are trying to railroad anyone who was remotely connected to President Trump on January 6th into now criminal indictments. This is absolutely absurd that they are trying to force the DOJ to do a pre preemptive indictment of Mark Meadows before the law on executive privilege is even determined. He filed a lawsuit last week. And by the way, if you missed that interview and episode with Mark Meadows, go back and listen to it just last week. We talked about his book, but the opening uh, conversation was about the select committee and uh, what he is considering and all about executive privilege. And just this morning, actually, our good friend Alan Dershowitz uh, wrote a piece in the Gatestone Institute International Policy Council's uh, it looks like their their newsletter, I suppose. It's gatestoneinstitute.org. But the headline is, Can an Ex-President Claim Privilege for Communications While He Was President? The answer to this, of course, is yes. Dershowitz says a former spouse, a lawyer's former client, and a penitent former priest can claim privilege, and so could a former member of Congress and a former judge. The relevant issue is whether the communication was privileged at the time it was made. If so... It should be an enduring privilege that encourages confidential communications during their incumbency. This is something we have talked about before, and what the select committee is trying to do is not only railroad this completely absurd and false narrative about a January 6th coup, but also they're trying to destroy any sort of privilege by trying to have these type of pre-indictments. And so my good friend Robbie Starbuck, who's going to join me in a moment, actually had a brilliant analysis on this. And I saw this tweet yesterday, which is why I wanted to invite him on the show. But first, let's talk about legacy precious metals before we get into all of this today. So the Biden administration has caused a financial crisis and they have no clue how to fix it. Oil prices have skyrocketed. And you know, when oil prices go up, not only do your expenses go up, but the cost of transportation and shipping spikes, leading the prices of goods to rise. And we're already seeing record inflation, and this is the last thing we need. Have you been seeing the headlines on all of this, on how much even just the prices of uh, of food is going up, the prices of gas, everything is going up. Our economy is in trouble, and you need to take steps to protect yourself and your investments. Gold is one of the best ways to protect your retirement. No matter what happens, you own your own gold. Legacy Precious Metals is the company I trust for investing in gold. They can help you roll your retirement account into a gold-backed IRA where you still own the physical 
physical gold. So call Legacy Precious Metals today at 866-528-1903 or visit them online at LegacyPMInvestments.com and download their free investor's guide. All right. So Robbie Starbuck, who you have seen, uh, he and I have done the Candace show together. He's been on my show before. He's running for Congress from the great state of Tennessee. And Robbie tweeted this yesterday. What's funny about the text Pelosi's hit squad released is it disproves their entire premise that January 6th was a coup or a planned insurrection. It's very clear from the text that not one person expected anything like that to happen at the Capitol. Narrative destroyed. It's also incredibly unethical to release these private texts. Democrats are going to come to regret the day when they set this precedent. They won't go quietly into the night and submissively allow this. Offense is coming when we win the 2022 election. Pelosi's hit squad won't like it. So, Robbie, thanks so much for joining me today. And what's your take on all this? Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, you know, I think it's very simple. When you have a committee like this, and it's very clearly a political hit job, and they're going and setting new precedent about what you're able to do, this pendulum is going to swing, and it's going to swing hard. And, you know, I think they're going to come to regret the day that they open this box of, of, you know, this can of worms, rather, because when you look at somebody like Joe Biden and all of the stuff going on in that White House, I think you have a very good idea what's going on, and I do as well. They are not going to like this when we go back and say, oh, you know what? You actually don't have the ability to have a privileged conversation anymore as a president, which is just lunacy. So, hey, you know what? Mark Elias and every other big Democrat lawyer, we're going to take all your attention. We're going to take all your phone calls. We're going to dig through everything. Basically, it's a fishing expedition. It is. You know, and I think that's what we've seen is they're weaponizing every form of justice against their opposition. This is what communists do. It's not what you do in the United States of America, or traditionally not what we've done, I should say, because we are doing it now. That's what the Democrats are doing against us. And, you know, if we're going to stand up for this country and save this country, it is going to require us going on offense and not just defending ourselves, because this will not stop until they have to feel the effects of what they're doing in reverse. That is so true. And the most frequent comment, Robbie, that I get back to this is where are the Republicans? Why aren't anybody, you know, standing up and calling out people like Adam Schiff, who just this morning, the Federalist released uh, a report that Schiff doctored January 6th text between Mark Meadows and Jim Jordan. And they forced, based on their breaking news reporting, that just a couple of hours ago, the committee had to admit that they doctored these, these texts. And it wasn't, by the way, for people who haven't read this yet, it wasn't just a simple period like, you know, oh, well, we only put up half the text message. What it was is they tried to they they not only uh, cut off and put a period in the middle of an entire sentence that Jim Jordan sent, but they also falsely attributed the statement to Jim Jordan as if that was his thought to Mark Meadows when he was quoting one of his own lawyers who was giving legal analysis to him on the potential uh, ways that Pence could act on January 6th. And so it was completely falsified. So when are people like Adam Schiff going to be held accountable when we have these spineless Republicans who basically, you know, they pull down their pants, bend over and say, you know, please select committee. Can I have another? That's what it feels like. 
Well, you know, I mean, I think that's why people like me are running. It's, it's, I'm sick of this just like everybody else is. Um, I, to be very frank, don't want to run for Congress. That was not my first inclination in life is, oh, let me go run for Congress. And honestly, I think if it is, you might be a little bit crazy. Um, <laughs> but it's what I've been led to do because of the failures that there are right now. You know, you look at it and yes, we have a very, very weak party. But then it's weird. You look paradoxically on the outside at people like us, and we're fighters. So, you know, I sit there and I look in the mirror at the point where I was thinking about all this, and I go, I can complain about this, or I can go run and be what I want to see and push these people to be warriors. And if they can't do it, be the voice that is not afraid to go after everybody. Um, And that's what we need. We need people who are going to hold everyone's feet to the fire to be warriors for this country. The reality is Adam Schiff, he needs a taste of his own medicine. He needs to be kicked off his committees. Honestly, he needs to be kicked out of Congress. But, um, you know, in general, look at what they're doing to people like Marjorie Taylor Greene. You know, um, they've kicked her off every committee. They've censored her. They've done this. You know, they're going to continue doing this. They demonize anybody who goes on offense. And when we're in the majority... If we don't go right back and censor someone like Ilhan Omar for all of her past transgressions and Adam Schiff for his transgressions, then we are failures to our voters. Our voters want to see action that is going to prevent this from continuing to happen in the future. And unfortunately, as much as I would love to say you can take the high road and everything will go back to normal, you know, there is no normal to go back to anymore. We're never going back to the days where we just disagreed on tax policy. It's not happening. And to be honest, when you hear a politician say that, what they're really saying is, I want to go back to a time when people weren't paying attention because it was never about that. It was about having a uniparty where everybody could succeed together in terms of their own personal you know, economic status or, or celebrity status. We're in a new era where that is not going to be the case anymore. The question is, what will this new era be? Will it be an era where we return to the roots of this country and the liberty that we were intended to have? Or are we going to return to something that we've only seen in other parts of the world um, and, you know, sort of destroy this experiment entirely and bastardize everything that our founding fathers worked hard for and their families worked hard for. That's the real question. So if there's enough of us, I believe we will be able to return to the foundations this country was meant to have. Um, you know, but that's going to take aggressive leadership and it's going to take fearlessness. I try to remind people all the time, God gave us not a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and sound mind. And so we need to approach this aggressively. We are supposed to be warriors. Jesus was not killed, and you know, not to make this too religious, but he was not killed. Oh, we can be religious here. This is a Christian show. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. But he wasn't killed because uh, people just didn't like him. He was killed because he told the truth. He was killed because he was unafraid and he was bold. He was a real leader. And so if you're running for any of these positions, you better be ready to have that spirit that Jesus had when he was on this planet to bring truth and power to everything we do and to stand up for our convictions without fear, without fervor, and to just stand in that gap for people. Um, We need that. We need warriors right now. Absolutely. And it's encouraging to me to have uh, people like you and others that I've endorsed that, um, you know, good people currently in government have endorsed 
who are willing to stand up and say, you know what, I never intended to run, but the last four years of seeing how, you know, the Democrats have completely weaponized a system. They've gone well beyond the margins of the Constitution. They're trying to destroy our system of government, trying to destroy and reinvent America. I mean, reinventing is basically their their pretty sounding term for utterly destroy uh, America. And so people are willing, I think, at this point to engage government in a way that we haven't seen over the past, um, you know, certainly in my lifetime and probably not since Reagan. Um, and and I think that it's so important what you said, Robbie, that we have to go back to our first principles. And t- going back to this select committee, I mean, one of the things that just strikes me as so patently absurd is that for for this select committee to think that it has oversight on over all of this and can leak all of these documents, can even ask for all of these uh, privileged and confidential uh, communications from the chief of staff and others, um, you know, to a United States president. Um, what legislative purpose does this possibly serve? Because they're not the executive branch. They're not law enforcement. They're not the FBI. They're not an agency that is trying to enforce any sort of law here. And this is where People have to understand this is about limited government and this is the legislative branch. And just because Congress um, thinks that they were you know, affected by the Capitol breach and I'm not going to call it an insurrection. It wasn't like, you know, guys, come on, occupying a building of the Capitol, which people have been arrested for. No one has been charged with insurrection. They've been charged with breaking and entering and parading. Right. This is not an insurrection. If you occupy a building of the United States that doesn't undermine or overthrow the U.S. government or the Constitution, this is just absurd, their narrative. But the oversight mechanism of Congress is supposed to specifically serve and further a legislative purpose. And we had these conversations, I feel like just a couple of years ago, with the Mueller investigation. When we all talked about this, we talked about the legislative purpose that it wasn't serving and how it was just trying to, you know, beat this false narrative into the ground. And from a From the perspective of somebody who wants to be in Congress, Robbie, I mean, this to me is some is something that is just so beyond the margins of what a legislative branch should be doing, period. Oh, I mean, you're absolutely right. This should be blatantly obvious to everybody. I mean, this serves no legislative purpose. The purpose it serves is the Democrats that are in the bluest seats, they get to cut ads for their campaigns um, with our tax dollars, because this is basically just badly produced theater that is the ability for them to cut their campaign ads for 2022, 2024. And this is also about setting themselves up for 2024, not even so much 2022. I think some people have missed that. It's not as much about 2022. It is in only one way. Um, in 2022, they know they have a limited period of time to get this everything done because they know they're losing the House. Um, I, I believe that. I believe they have to know that at this point based on everything we see, the polling and, and whatnot. So they know they've got you know a, a stopwatch essentially on them right now, and the clock is ticking. So that's part of why I think they push so hard to do this to Meadows without actually having the privilege aspect of this worked out because you know they know they've got to speed up the timeline to get to where they want to go, and that's to demonize President Trump and everybody around him, including yourself, is, as much as they can before the clock runs out. 
And I think the real purpose behind this, and this is just a prediction that I'm making, I think that the real purpose is about in 2024, they are going to run somebody like an Adam Kinzinger or Liz Cheney, and that person is going to dispute Trump's ability to be on the ballot based on um, a claim that he was party to an insurrection. Okay, which, by the way, again, back to your definition of insurrection, um, there were no guns, okay? If this was an insurrection, this was the worst planned insurrection of all time, okay? We're talking about a group of people who own more guns than anybody per capita in America, okay? Um, That's something indisputable. Trump voters, we have a lot of guns, okay? And yet there were no guns at this. That should tell people everything. This was something, and again, the Pelosi hit squad, they proved this by releasing the text they just released. Nobody expected that to happen at the Capitol, so beyond it serving no purpose legislatively, it's really self-serving. And, and I think the American people should be so upset about this. We have a country right now with inflation that is at record highs, and it's not going anywhere. It's continuing. Wages are not rising with it. We have mandates that are just entirely stealing every freedom that people should value the most – We've got every constitutional right of ours under threat. We've got big tech acting as an arm of the government. We have all these other issues going on that are day-to-day life, kitchen table issues, and our government is spending money on badly produced theater. That should infuriate people. It should. And people's memories are so unfortunately short that, again, we just went through this with The second impeachment, the first impeachment, the Mueller investigation slash witch hunt, and then Spygate. I mean, all of these things have been the Democrats trying to push a false narrative just to hate Trump and to silence conservatives and to make us fearful about speaking out. Otherwise, we're going to be called names like, oh, you know, you're pro collusion. That was a big thing during the whole Mueller investigation. Right. And then all the way now to you're an insurrectionist or, you know, you promote all this stuff, which is just so completely absurd. And one of the things that you mentioned, Robbie, that I want to ask and follow up on is 2022, because a lot of people that I've talked to are in your same view saying, you know, definitely looking at the projections, looking at the polls, all of that, uh, Republicans are going to take back the House in 2022. I'm slightly less optimistic, and I will say that only because I don't think Democrats are going to be willing to give up their power that easily. And I know that, you know, the seat count, all of that is in Republicans' favor. And Um, And we have all of those metrics, and I get that. But I'm really concerned that we have basically legalized fraud in in a lot of states through ballot harvesting, through other things and other methods. And that's going to end up shaping the 2022 election as much as, um, you know, people like me and organizations like the Election Integrity Alliance and all of our allies are fighting for common sense election integrity measures I'm really concerned that we are being overly optimistic. What do you think? I think people should be concerned, and it's the right place to be at mentally. But there's a few things we have to keep in mind, and that's that going into 2020, we didn't have nearly enough concerned people. And so I don't want anybody feeling comfortable or complacent about 2022 because that complacency leads to, number one, not only not showing up when it's necessary to, but also not showing up where it counts, like being a poll watcher. We didn't have nearly enough people 
in those positions. I mean, there were some places where they were boarding up windows and we had two Republicans there. And, you know, that's something inexcusable. We need to have a force to be reckoned with to make sure that things are dealt with fairly. And I just think about in 2020, had we had more people in the room who had been in positions of authority, would things have ended up differently? And, you know, I think that that's a big part of this. We've got to make sure we have our people in the rooms fighting this from day one before there's an issue. Because if we have to wait till after and find out they're doing a 3 a.m. dump or whatever and there's nobody in the room, that's a problem. So we've got to be sort of forward thinking about this. And I do think on a state level, that's where I've been encouraged is, you know, I talk to a lot of local leaders in different states. They're the ones who encourage me. On the national level, that federal sort of bullhorn, I'm entirely dismayed like you. I feel like nobody's really attacked this issue or recognized how concerned voters are. But yeah, because they're I intimidated. Think- they're intimidated and the mainstream media won't cover it. And, and sorry to interrupt, but like this is just so frustrating that people on the national level won't talk about election integrity because they are too worried about getting censored, getting silenced. They don't want to, oh, well, you know, we, we don't want to get sued, you know, all, all these other things that frankly are meaningless when you look at what your obligation is, which is to speak the truth and also to to speak, just ask the questions as well. I mean, it's a perfectly valid question to say, does election integrity matter? Should one legal vote count and count fairly? I mean, all of these things, you know, what happened in 2020? Look at how the uh, the, the results were compromised in, in a lot of states. And that's because there wasn't enforcement of those laws. Like, Robbie, you were just talking about poll watchers and poll workers. One of the biggest things that a lot of those affidavits showed was that people who did show up at the polls that were poll watchers for Republicans were told that they had to be at least six feet, if not further away, and they couldn't have meaningful access. I mean, all of these things are issues that if we don't uh, confront now and up front, it's much harder. And I've said this example so many times, it's much harder to go and do accident reconstruction and put a car back together rather than prevent the accident from happening to begin with. You're 100 percent right. And here's here's some areas to give a little bit of hope, though, because while you're 100 percent right, when you look at the congressional map, there's things to give us a lot more hope than, say, a presidential race. Because in the presidential race, you know, you could have all of, let's say, Georgia. Um, not that this is what happened. I'm just giving like a theoretical example. You could have all of Georgia go great, okay? And there's no issues. And then in Atlanta, you could have just enough problems in that one place to have it destroy the entire presidential race for that state. Whereas in a congressional race, That is already a Democrat seat, like a firmly Democrat seat in the heart of Atlanta. So, you know, your worry there in terms of the places where fraud would be most rampant is generally places Democrats already are going to win by pretty decent margins because that's where they're kind of cemented, where we take our majorities in places that are not like that, that are sort of those swing seats. And, you know, there's one in Iowa that was decided, I think, by like 30 votes last time. Um, You know, there's there's seats like that that are going to win us the majority or seats like mine, where my seat has been a Democrat seat for over 100 years, but is being redrawn into a conservative seat. 
And instead of it being, you know, the entirety of Nashville, the expectation is that Nashville is going to be broken up into three or four pieces. And you're suddenly going to have three or four conservatives representing Nashville um, because our state is so red. Everybody's seat would still be plus 15, plus 20, you know, so. When you and look that's, at that's this. a valid point to say, you know, that the districts within each state are that's a, that's a different contemplation than a statewide race. So going back to Georgia, for example, when you look at what happened with Stacey Abrams or you look at how she, you know, she's running for reelection and, you know, the rhinos are supporting uh, Brian Kemp and, um, you know, Trump. Interestingly, uh, he endorsed. Purdue, which, um, you know, I I don't think was a particularly great endorsement. I disagree with him on that one. Um, That's my opinion. Um, But, you know, definitely better Purdue than Kemp. I am not a Kemp fan. But um, but the statewide races and the statewide electoral votes for president, you're right, can be swung based on different districts. But when you look at the composition of um, of just the in-state races for congressional districts, that is a little bit different. So, um, and I don't know if you know these numbers offhand, um, but how many of these swing seats then would Republicans have to pick up in order to regain the majority? Like, what are we looking at specifically? Well, first we have to look at the net gains from redistricting, which isn't finalized yet, but I think that our net gain as a party in terms of advantage based on a generic ballot from the last election, our net gain would be something like four or five seats. Um, So that in itself is a gain. And then you look at the swing seats where we lost by a little bit, you know, according to the last election. And then we look at what we believe will be the advantage going into 2022. Um, I think we're going to far surpass what it will take to get a majority. But I think that there's probably about 12 really key seats that we have to flip if we want to get a majority, that if we don't flip those, we're not going to get there. Um, And that's something, you know what, I think is a great idea to do a piece on. And I think I may write that later is a piece on what those seats are and lay it out for people. Because I think one of the big mistakes we've made, too, over the past four years is investing money in unwinnable races. I had somebody Mm. reach out to me the other day um, for, you know, California senator. Okay, Um, it was an unknown person. They have no name ID and they're running for senator in California. And they're asking for all this money from people. And I go, no, nobody should be putting money into that. California is a disaster. California is one of those those rare states where Democrats control everything with their elections. They are never going to let a Republican win the Senate seat in California under any circumstances in this next cycle. Doesn't matter what the heck happens. Put that money into swing seats that we can win so that we have a majority or into swing states where we can get pick up a Senate seat. You know, um, so we've got to be smart and strategic about where we put our money because that's what the Democrats do. They are strategic strategic about where they put their money. And it's the reason why they've been able to steal every institution from us. I just wrote about this for New York Post recently that George Soros, I mean, just look at where he spends his money. He's elected DAs all over the country to completely destroy law and order. That's why we have a 30% rise in homicides. The next closest over a 12-month range is 12.7%, which was the year that Martin Luther King was assassinated, okay? So 30%, nothing touches it. That's how large the rise has been, and it is only going 
going up. Soros's DAs are to blame for it because they're just essentially releasing criminals all over. Now, Soros is also investing a billion dollars in endowing universities so that he can push Marxism to college students. He's hitting every segment of culture from academia to entertainment. They're investing their money wisely. And then in races, again, he's putting his money where he can win. He's not putting it in places that he can't win. And so we've got to be smart about this and invest in all these spaces, create a counterculture, and beyond creating a counterculture, win the seats that we have to win. Yeah, that is such a great piece. I hope you write that. I will retweet that and I'll have you back on to talk about that because um, because you're right. And, and as you say this, it just is so frustrating to me that Republicans aren't strategic. I mean, this is something that we've all conservatives have been talking about for years. And this is why young people like you, Robbie, need to uh, get into leadership in the party and in Congress and and actually be strategic because we're we're continuing to do things with a very old playbook and not looking at the terrain as it currently lies. And that is something that I think is so frustrating to the average person who wants to help and who wants to donate where possible. And then, you know, you get all of these fundraising emails from the RNC that's just like, oh, donate here because, you know, President Trump hasn't heard from you and all of these, you know, ridiculous emails. I have to be honest. I find I find those emails incredibly insulting to our voters. I Um, do. 100%. I hear it from people from all walks of life. They feel so disrespected by those emails. And while it may produce a response from a certain subset of people, you're turning off a way larger group of people who long-term are going to become a problem for you if you want their support, because you, we can't talk down to our voters and treat them like they're idiots. And and that's what I feel like some of these emails do is they just, they're like, um, you know, President Trump misses you. You didn't say hi by sending a donation. Send a donation what? now or you're going to be canceled. It's like, what? Yeah, it's, it is. It is so offensive. And I just laugh at these. And there was somebody that, um, that tweeted, and I, I actually retweeted this, even though I, I generally stay away from retweeting anything that has vulgar language in it. This one was just so funny. I'm like, it, I have to retweet this anyways. But he basically said, you know, Democrat fundraising emails are like, hi, hey, you know, if you could, it'd be great if you could donate $2. Thanks. Bye. Have a great day. And then, you know, Republican fundraising emails, President Trump is really mad at you. And if you don't donate, then, you know, uh, Adam Schiff is or not Adam Schiff, um, Mitch McConnell, basically the same thing. But Mitch McConnell is going to come and break your bones. And, you know, and it like went into this whole thing that was hilariously accurate. And I was just laughing because I'm like, that's exactly it's exactly it. And this is why the old establishment Republicans who are running the party have no idea what they're doing. They are trying to appeal to this, you know, big tent uh, policy stuff that basically makes them DNC light. That's not well, going it's to not even appeal. it's not even just that what they're really trying to appeal to is corporations have been trying to drive that home to people. It's not about a big tent Great to point. a certain group of people. It's about the corporations. They're trying to please a group of people who fundamentally hate Republican voters. OK, all of the people who run these corporations or we're talking, you know, I'm generalizing here, but like 90 percent of them. These are coastal elites who are entirely divorced from middle America. They probably have never been here or to the south and they don't like us so why are we putting people in positions of power 
to go try to please corporate America. Corporate America doesn't love us. They love Hillary Clinton. It's time to get over it, and it's time to fight for your voters and the people who do care and who do love this country. If we do that and fight for those people, corporate America is going to be forced into line. And that is the point we're at in history, is we need to behave like this is a war because it is one. And until we do that, we will lose. And we will lose over and over and over again until we're finally sick of it to the degree where we're willing to stand up and fight. And you know what? That day may not come for a lot of these establishment hacks because we've seen in other countries, I mean, even the country my family fled Cuba, not enough people stood up when it was necessary to and they lost their country. And that's why we see people now crying out in the streets, willing to die while waving the American flag, talking about liberty, because freedom still means something to those people who lost their country. But not enough people stood up, and that's why they're standing there. And if we don't have enough people stand up here, whether it's volunteering or running for office or donating, whatever it is they can do, or standing up as a business and and, and saying, I'm not going to comply with these insane legal mandates, if not enough people do it now, they're never going to have the chance in the future. Mm, And so well said. And that is a really excellent insight that this is also about corporations. I hadn't thought of it that way. And that is really, really true where they're trying to go after big corporate dollars that aren't that just aren't going to be there. And the Republican Party, I I think, has truly lost its identity and understanding to whom they are accountable, ultimately, and who their constituent base is when they're doing things. And and this is the the new phrase that I've been trying to coin and that I've um, said over and over again now is um, they're trying to to impose moral gerrymandering, where they're trying to draw all of these and basically redistrict the lines of self-evident truth in order to carve out exceptions that they think are going to appeal, not just to certain demographics. I think you're spot on, Robbie, that they don't want to be offensive to big corporations who, for example, are supporting Pride Month, are supporting, you know, the LGBTQ plus 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 transitioning. I mean, they're honestly they're supporting transitioning at this point or they're saying men have periods. You know, there's no pleasing these people. And if and if we have people in power or in our party who are trying to, it is time to get rid of them if they won't step aside themselves because their time is up. We know what time it is in America right now. We need warriors. A hundred percent. And that's why everybody go out. And if you have a uh, if you have social media at all, especially Twitter, use the hashtag Rana must go because Rana McDaniel, Rana Romney McDaniel, who is the chairwoman of the RNC, is one of the worst leaders that we have ever had for the Republican Party. And that is why I unaffiliated. And I have said, I mean, and I still, you know, can vote in my home state in Colorado. I can still vote in the Republican primary as unaffiliated. So I didn't give that up. But what I said is that I refuse to be a member of the Republican Party until the Republican Party comes home to conservatism. And if people like Robbie and others with his same mindset actually get into uh, Congress and into leadership in the Republican Party, I will be more than happy to re-register, to donate again to the RNC. But until then, I'm just donating to specific candidates. And that's why the strategy, Robbie, like you were saying, of where people can target their donations, don't just send money to the RNC. You know what they do with some of that money? They just save it for themselves. They hire other people. They put out op-eds. They do all kinds of stuff that isn't actually even furthering anything that you think is a legitimate agenda or anything they're even um, 
saying that they're promoting, uh, definitely don't give any more money to the RNC. Give to candidates like Robbie. Give to candidates that you know are going to actually be a strong warrior and voice for you in government, whether it's state and local or it's federal. So, Robbie, in just the last few minutes we have here, um, anything else that you want to say about your campaign, where people can find you? And um, I think you've you've had you hit some stuff spot on today, and I'm really thankful that you came on to to share your insights. It's always great to talk to you. You too. I always, I always love coming on. Um, well, one thing I want to say is that um, I think we can make a deal here. After I win, um, can I register you, re-register you as a Republican after I win? <laughs> um, you know, once we, w- when you win, if you will help me get rid of Ronna McDaniel. I'm going to take that as a yes. I'm going to take it as a yes. <laughs> that's, it's a caveat. I'll, I'll consider it. I will consider it because okay, I want you right. to win that much. But I think okay, we good. also need to change RNC leadership. <laughs> we, you know, we, we need strength everywhere, and we don't have it right now. And you're, you're spot on in that regard. Like, if we don't have strength, we don't have a party. And that's the reality. And so – with voters, you know, if I'm making my pitch to people in the last few minutes, it's essentially if you've listened this whole time and you're just sick of the back and forth between the Uniparty, the Democratic Party, the Rhinos, you know, now is the time to get behind unconventional candidates who are willing to go there and stick to our ideology, stick to our values, and to actually fight for you. But we can't do it without your support because here's the deal. What happens in every one of these races, I'm very lucky because I have a larger profile than most people who run who have our mindset. You know, a lot of what happens is someone like me will run and they fundraise off of the dollars of the people, right? Some other establishment person runs and the establishment in their state sends all the corporate dollars their way. They outraise the person 15 or 20 to 1. And they get destroyed because of name ID. Name ID, people don't realize, is the most important thing in every election beyond you actually being a likable person. Um, If people don't know your name and they're not familiar with you, that's like a death knell for any campaign. And so you investing in good candidates makes a massive difference. You need to help be the network that can take on the corporations and the left, because if we do that and we invest in these candidates, we will win. We just need to invest in them so that their name ID is able to get up and beat the establishment. On the flip side of that, there is some positive because I have seen a sea change in terms of like, let's say the influencers on our side pushing better candidates. And the candidates that they're pushing are now, you know, sort of getting up to speed on fundraising to a degree that wasn't possible for to six, eight years ago. And again, I think that's a change produced by Trump being president because people like me, if I had run, Jenna, like, you know, when Mitt Romney was running for president, uh, they would have laughed me out like a guy with a man bun is going to run for Congress. That's insane. <laughs> uh, for those of you who can't see me because we're on the radio. Yes, I have beautiful long hair. But... <laughs> You know, go follow now, him. Go follow Robbie Starbuck on, on Twitter and see his <laughs> profile picture. I have now, now the man bun in person. <laughs> yeah, now it's an afterthought. You know, like people don't care. They're like, oh, you're you're a hundred percent in on the values. You know, we're in. And so I think that's a beautiful door Trump opened up that you don't have to be this crafted politician with perfect teeth, perfect everything. You know, 
you can be a normal person or somebody from a non-traditional background who just is a fighter and is willing to do the job and people will not just listen, they will fight for you alongside you. And so, you know, that's the beautiful thing. We need people to fight with us. So we yeah, need we your need volunteer hours. We need normal people, not politicians. A hundred percent. We need those volunteer hours and donations, starbuck2022.com. You know, you can find out much more about me there, but um, I'm just so thankful. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Thanks so much um, for joining me. And, you know, I could talk to you for hours. We'll have you back on again. Definitely write that op-ed because I think people will be very interested to know what are the swing seats that we uh, definitely need to target and be strategic about. And um, so everyone, you know, be be paying attention to the things that matter, not just what the mainstream media is wanting you to focus on. You know, this, this January 6th committee is just the latest distraction. And it's more than a distraction. It is actually trying to manipulate the rule of law and have you know somebody like Adam Schiff who can doctor these texts again again and get away with it and yet they're having these you know pre court prejudicial uh, determination indictments of people like Mark Meadows. I mean, this is an abuse of authority. The Democrats need to be stripped of their majority in 2022. We need to have great people like Robbie and others who are running for public office. And those of us who aren't running for office, we need to stand up, be very vocal and very, very much support those who are going to be in Congress and in federal government and state and local level for the right reasons. And so before we go, um, the one person who is definitely putting his money where his mouth is, is my good friend, Mike Lindell, who I just spoke with um, the other day, actually, and he was saying, you know, Jenna, as as we talk about, you know, all of the, the discounts and things like that for my pillow and how people can support because he's been canceled out, out of all these box stores, he's like, everybody says, you know, oh, I've been canceled, but nobody actually says the reason why. And he's like, and the reason why is because I am willing to stand up and actually say things and give my opinions and give um, people real information that nobody else in mainstream media is willing to do. And that's why they hate him. And so and that's why they hate you and me. That's why they hate any conservative who's willing to stand up for the truth and who is willing to not be silent and just go along with, well, you know, what do you, what do you want to cover today, mainstream media? What do you think is the news? No, but what actually is important to the American people, what's important to upholding our constitutional republic, our rule of law, Mike Lindell is one of those people, even though you all know I don't agree with him on every solution he's presenting, I don't agree with all of his opinions, but I absolutely agree with his right to say it. And that's why I love that he is a sponsor of this show and why he is given the promo code to this show, uh, Jenna, which is J-E-N-N-A. And if you support him by supporting his products and saying you don't want patriots like him to be canceled, that tells him that you're listening to this show, that you support him, and that you are also grateful that he is continuing to stand up for truth. So as you're looking at getting Christmas presents, as you know, you're know uh, you maybe perusing the MyPillow.com uh, website, use the promo code Jenna, that's J-E-N-N-A, to not only get a great discount, but also tell Mike Lindell that you are a listener of this program and you appreciate the fact that we all stand with him, that he can have a voice and his opinions should not be silenced because this is America for crying out loud. And we need to stand up firmly for the truth. And we're going to go forward into 2022 with the strategic objectives of not allowing America to fail. I'm Jenna Ellis. I'll be back with you tomorrow. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.